Pace Line is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Uh, welcome back to the, uh, well, you're in East Coast time, but, you know, a, a U.S.-based time zone nonetheless. Thank you very much. Um, I would, uh, it, it would be natural for me to say it's great to be here. Uh, but I would rather still be there in that other time zone, uh, which is Greenwich mean, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. GMT. Yeah. Yep. GMT. I would rather be on GMT than E S T mm -hmm. Eastern standard. Um, yeah, I had a fantastic two weeks in Wales, uh, the ancestral homeland, where uh, everything is beautiful and there's never not a sheep in your line of sight. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a picture to paint. Uh, how yeah. how many uh, assorted Luai and other um, uh, relatives uh, did you see? Are we talking like five? Uh, I saw a dozen. Very... Oh, more, more. Um, so, uh, I saw all of my living, uh, aunts and uncles, which amounts to, um, 13, I think. And, uh, I saw most of my cousins. I think I saw 15 cousins. Uh, so that's 28 ish and then i saw some second cousins um and the funny thing this funny thing happens when i'm there is if i'm if i'm out and about with uh one uh of my aunts in particular or my my uncle cyril uh will often say oh you're you're cousins with him or you're cousins with her. like everywhere we go <laughs> um which which makes dating there hard i think but uh <laughs> I am happily married uh, to an American lady, uh, well, so no, believe, no trouble. I believe the law. I mean, I can't speak for Wales, but, you know, in the U.S., second cousins, you can hook up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. I, but I have many instances of my cousin's kids not realizing that my other cousin's kids were their cousins. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a chuckler. <laughs> no you can't kiss her <laughs> well i mean i think as you say legally i think that uh separation is kissable but um all of those things aside i'm no one to judge but wales is a wonderful place filled with wonderful people we had a wonderful time there uh, i established a new mountaineering challenge well while i was there which was to climb the three welsh peaks which are mount snowden 
Cateridris and Penevan and hug all of the all seven of the Welsh aunties for a perfect ten. Uh, uh-huh. Some of those aunties are harder to find and hug than others, but uh, if you can do all of that in seven days, you've achieved something special. And so the, I've I've established that. Uh, so your Welsh bonafides are reinforced. That's right. Yeah. If you get at the Alpinist magazine, um, they will start tracking this as one of the unique achievements in mountaineering. Huh. Cool. And, uh, okay, you know, to be honest, we've already discussed this, but uh, mountain biking, you've talked about Wales uh, as a mountain bike destination. Did we destinate the mountain biking there? We did not. We did not. Um, uh, We went to one of the mountain bike centers as a consolation. Uh, We stopped by. Uh, Family activities in the end precluded me from being able to rent and shred in Wales. And I felt some considerable pain about that. In fact, um, a TCI reader, uh, a Welsh TCI reader uh, got in touch with me and, and he was going to this one center at Coida Brennan. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe I can s- skate away and uh, connect with him. But I had cousins to... Um, socialize with sorry (laughs) yeah yeah it didn't happen it didn't happen sometimes you have to sacrifice for family family happiness Mm -hmm. and so i did Mm -hmm. do that we rented some hybrids one day and rode them around a picturesque lake and that was nice but that was the extent of my cycling uh time Mm. unfortunately the mountain bike centers do they rent mountain bikes that are uh good enough to make it worthwhile and are the rates for rental something that you know most of us would go yeah that's worth it for a day uh yes yes um so the one place that i stopped by they rent trek top fuels um uh-huh. and the rates are not at all exorbitant and the state of the trails is so fantastic you know, basically, you're if you go to Coy de Brennan, where I, I stopped, um, you are mountain biking through a Lord of the Rings film. And, you know, with like waterfalls and, you know, giant rock formations and things, it's it's you're not going to feel like you wasted your time or your money at <laughs> all. Um, there's a downhill center uh, that I did go by also at Anterstiniuk. Um which is lift serve downhill. Uh, I didn't check the rental situation there, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And there's also some services in Wales, including mountain bike Comrie that you can book with who will take you through to like trails, trails that other people aren't riding. Uh, mm. And they are all very reasonably priced. So. Uh, we're going to take this up. Uh, in greater depth next week because uh, I am a man uh, who wants to plan a vacation that requires a passport. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, a summer vacation episode where uh, where we're not crowing about the wonderful trips we have just taken, but rather talking about next summer, uh, which will be actionable information for listeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
All right. What are you pulling on about this week? Oh, um, well, as crazy as it sounds in August, uh, I want to talk about the Tour de France, the Tour de okay. France, the Tour of France. OK, yeah. um, this is this is the first time in years I've followed day to day. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that a lot of my bike friends who I used to talk about the tour with, they're not watching. So I say, hey, did you see yesterday's stage? And and they look at me like I'm nuts. Um, it's almost like they've forgotten it's July and, and that that thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there are two things in my head about all this. The first is to marvel at just how poisoned that well got. That so many um, people who mm-hmm. used to set their watches by the tour are now only vaguely aware that it's on. Yeah, yeah, that was me. That was totally yeah. me. Yeah. The other thing is that I still really love this race. And now that a lot of the old contaminated riders are gone, I find I've really enjoyed the racing. Uh, it helps that a bunch of the new young riders are compelling and charismatic. Uh, and it also helps that one team didn't control the Peloton from the first week, which, uh, has been the case fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that sticks out to me is that a lot of breakaways succeeded. Uh, I don't remember when I've seen so many lone riders or pairs make it to the finish without being swallowed. So that's, mm. that was refreshing. Uh, and in week three, the GC was still there for the taking, you know, the Pyrenees were scorching hot and a lot of teams needed to do something special to earn their sponsorship dollars. Mm-hmm. So every day of racing was really pretty compelling. Um, huh. I may have missed having something. said all that. <laughs> what's that? I may have missed something. Uh, you did. You did. It's worth, it may be worth watching a, a digested, uh, digest. Of hmm. might be worth you digesting one of the digested digests of the of the race. Um, the thing, the other thing is, uh, you can't kind of talk about it without talking about doping. Right. And the truth is, I'm not sure what I'm watching right now. Riders are getting popped for COVID left and right, but I've not heard a peep about hematocrits or other passport uh, biological passport abnormalities. So does that mean that we're fully in a new era or have the teams just curbed their most flagrant doping practices? So they're cheating more in line with what the biological passport will tolerate. Uh, I don't know, but I suspect there are fewer drugs in the mix than there were. Um, I actually have a video piece that'll be up Friday, uh, which is tomorrow when you're hearing this, uh, that delves into how they're doping now. So maybe if, if this is at all uh, a a curious and interesting thing to you, uh, maybe check that out tomorrow. Hmm. Right now I'm striving for willful ignorance. (laughs) What's, uh, what's your take? Well, the, the trouble for me, uh, was that there came a point, um, I don't know, 2014 or so, 2015, somewhere in there, uh, where it became apparent that the Peloton was the cleanest it has ever been. Period. End of statement. Okay. Cycling as a sport has never been clean. Uh, The earliest pro cyclists uh, had been factory workers where it was uh, an accepted practice to use 
stimulants like amphetamines uh, just to get through the day. Um, they didn't have the social and moral stigma that we Americans have ha have attached to them thanks to our puritanical background. So to, you know, to think that like, oh, cycling got dirty over time. No, no, no. Cycling was never a clean sport. Um, and we just showed up to the party with a different set of values. Um, right. And that that was a that was a problem for us that we made a problem for everyone else. Um, there's a lot of resentment in Europe on on the part of Europeans for what Americans did to uh, the the notion of of doping. The UCI only ever wanted the sport to appear clean so that there were no ugly uh, uh, instances of fallout with sponsors. Um, you know, uh, uh, basically, it all comes back to Tom Simpson. Uh, when he died in the race because of amphetamines, that was bad for business. So, you know, we went through all these various scandals and and scourges and, you know, morally questionable people. And we get to today where there's no question that the sport is the cleanest it has ever been because of the biological passport. The doping efforts that are undertaken are undertaken to try to make make it seem like our baseline is a little different than it actually was. But we're talking about, you know, a couple percentage points here, a couple percentage points there of various values. Uh, we're no longer seeing guys grow effectively a third lung uh, because <laughs> of the amount of EPO they're taking. Um, you know, when you take a guy from 40 percent. Uh, hematocrit to 61%. Truly, that's like adding another lung. Um, right. And so, you know, we aren't bolting turbo units onto riders anymore. The problem for me was that every time somebody won, there was somebody busy asking, oh, I wonder what he's on. So the cynicism of cycling fans, that's what did it in for me, was that I couldn't turn off that lens of, hmm, I wonder what this is. And what I come back to, and the reason I remain, um, shall we say, chastened uh, on this subject, is that, you know, all the big movements in doping were kind of fourth dimensional things. They came from a direction that we couldn't see. Um, they just suddenly arrived. EPO came out of nowhere. And it was being used by hmm, most everyone by the time the UCI really even understood what the problem was. Our next big doping problem, we don't know what it is. There may be something in use right now that, you know, 18 riders are on and nobody else knows about yet. Um, and I just got to a point where I am just so fatigued of wondering what it is somebody's doing to try to win that I found those folks no longer inspiring in any way. Uh, and that's a, that's a real shame. Uh, the people who really began to inspire me, uh, you know, were, were guys like my, my friend, Yuri Hoswald. He's an ordinary Joe beast of a dude, beast of a dude. Um, Amanda Nellman. Um, you know, a woman who just 
came out of nowhere and she's a, a normal person, you know, hasn't been groomed to anything by any sporting federation, just goes out and rides her ass off. You want to inspire me? Have a day job, you know, then let's talk. <laughs> um, and so the the spectacle also there's something <sighs> physically they look like they have eating disorders. I get that the numbers dictate as little body mass as possible to maximize it's because what they have eating disorders. That's why it looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's something that's, um, you know, there's something vaguely supermodel. Like I, I don't know that I should be endorsing this. I just, there's so much about pro cycling that still, really troubles me. Yeah, yeah, I I buy everything you just said. I think the big problem I think the biggest problem I had or a lot of people had with the doping or the 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 Apex uh doping era was being we resent being treated like we're stupid. Oh, for sure. Um for sure. The thing is that pro cycling has always been pro wrestling with wheels. It's always yeah. been a drugged up circus of nonsensical drama. And uh, you've got it like you would look at pro wrestling and you'd say all of these guys are on steroids of and one form right. or another. Um, but these are choices that people are making to make a living uh, I don't feel badly for them. Uh, I, you know, I chuckled a minute ago about that's because they all have eating disorders. Eating disorders aren't funny. Right. Um, but uh, I, I shouldn't have even said but. And I think all of, everyone is doing uh, the thing that they are choosing to do. Um, and they're putting on a show. And. There is something undeniably entertaining about that show. Um, I don't I don't I don't find them inspiring. None of them are role models to me. Um, whereas I think 20 years ago, I might have said so. Uh, so that aspect has changed. But I just view I view all of it as, um, you know, character driven narrative now. And I think it's a pretty compelling character driven narrative. Uh, it's moral, uh, conundra aside. Um, I, I, I guess my response to that is congratulations that, you know, you can find <laughs> that you can find a path through all of this and arrive in a place where you are deriving some enjoyment from something that I used to adore. I mean, my, my years were, you know, the months coming up to July and the Tour de France, and then the rest of the year after the tour is over. Yeah. The Tour de France for me was 21 days of the 4th of July. There was no finer yes. time in any year than July. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, right. It's, you know, I mean, now it's August and I practically missed July because of everything else that was going on in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, had I had the bandwidth to be watching the women's tour de France, um, you can bet I'd have tuned into that. Um, 
in my social media feed, uh, I was seeing posts from Inga Thompson once second at the women's tour. Uh, and she was over there. Uh, I'm not clear in what capacity. I haven't had a chance to ask her, but Inga was over there and just having the most wonderful time and was uh, really uh, celebrating what what all these other women were getting uh, to pursue in terms of their own athletic greatness. And that was something that I was excited about. I just literally didn't have the hours in the day to try to watch any on TV. I buy that. I buy that. Absolutely. I buy that. We, we spent much of our time in Wales watching the uh, women's Euro uh, championships in the uh, in the football, which is uh, soccer for American listeners. And, <laughs> you know, great stories there. Great event. I enjoyed that whole thing. Um, you know, but. It. I, I'm keenly aware, I'm old enough to, to understand that where there's money, uh, there's nonsense. Where there's money, <laughs> morally suspect decisions uh, are going to take place. Um, People will look for shortcuts. That is They will nature. look for shortcuts. They will find a way to get more of that money than they deserve, etc., etc. Um mm-hmm. I am not I'm not a Pollyanna about this, but um, but Tour de France, pretty great. Awesome. I'll just leave it there. Awesome. (laughs) You know, I mean, if if nothing else, I would really welcome a montage of like helicopter shots of, you know, just the majesty of the French countryside with itty bitty little guys racing through it. Um, I. I mean, truly, some of the most breathtaking cinematography I have ever seen in my life has been shot by helicopters in the mountains of guys racing the Tour de France. And I mean, holy cow. Uh, Yeah. Majesty. You know, it's it's really something. France is a remarkable place geographically. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Just a remarkable place. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, well, maybe I'll sharpen up the YouTubes and watch some stuff. Yeah, check it out. It's kind of interesting. There there was a lot of, um, really, um, impressive displays of sportsmanship in this tour as well. Um, very different than what you would have expected. I, I did hear a little bit about that and, um, you know, yeah, if I can find a three, three minute clip of somebody being a decent human being to another, uh, (laughs) someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all need that right now. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think this would be a good point for us to take a little break, talk about a sponsor, and then come back. Great. This podcast is brought to you by Shimano. Um, uh, this is a recurring theme with me, but. Uh, when when Shimano put out their GRX component group, their gravel-specific componentry, my first uh, reaction was, really, we need a, we need a gravel-specific uh, component group. Um, but, you know, as is always the case in my history, I ended up uh, getting some, uh, putting it on my bike. I have a GRX DI2 one-by setup on my uh, gravel bike, which is my go-to, my do-everything bike, and I love it. So much. I love it so much. It's not a road group and it's not a mountain group, but it does exactly what I wanted to do out on the trail. 
in a way that I didn't I didn't imagine or could have conceived of before it came out. So there you go. Innovation from a company that doesn't probably have to innovate, uh, but does and keeps after it. And so we're proud to have them as sponsors of the podcast. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. What are you pulling for this week? Well, like yours, my pull this week is kind of topical. Okay, actually, it's extremely topical. There's been a lot of talk in the news about a big climate deal. That is, a spending package to fight climate change caused by greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, A compromise proposed by Chuck Schumer was finally accepted by the most conservative Democrat in history, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, a politician who was bought and paid for by the coal industry. Um, I'm going to stop here and say I want to dig into politics no further than that. Uh, My reason for bringing this up isn't about uh, this party or that party or whatever uh, inter-party fight. I bring the climate deal up for a reason relevant to cyclists. Part of that proposed package included a $900 tax credit for people to buy an e-bike. And actually, there were other people pushing for it to be $1,500. We know from previous experience that incentives like this work. Uh, Another thing about human beings, we love free money. even if it means we have to spend money to get it. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Uh, Crazy, true, also effective. Here's the thing that makes me scratch my head. Whether anyone believes mankind is responsible for the planet's warming is not important. Okay? We can just skip that part. Fighting that battle is pointless. The planet's warming. There's no doubt. Okay, there's nobody arguing that the planet isn't warming at this point, Um, at least nobody with, you know, more than two brain cells. The planet is warming and we are seeing a number of ugly consequences as a result, like loss of biodiversity and fire seasons that are lasting most of the year, Um, not to mention being bigger fires. So. At root, we need to make a big effort to combat climate change. Again, doesn't matter who's responsible. Um, You know, this is like somebody throwing up on the sidewalk. If it's in front of your house, you need to clean it up. Doesn't really matter who it was, you know. Um, Every study about what the average person can do to decrease their own personal carbon emissions has shown that getting out of our metal box on wheels and riding a bicycle is the single biggest change we can make. Go to work by bike, put a basket on the bike and stop by the grocery store to pick up some items for dinner. Ride with your kids to school. Just get out of that big metal box or your car, whatever. I repeat, every study done on how to decrease carbon emissions on a person by person basis says leaving the car parked more will do wonders for cutting our emissions. Um. Okay, that's not what makes me scratch my head. This is. There was a proposed $900 incentive to buy e-bikes, and somehow it got cut. All I can say is, what the ever-loving what? We almost never advocate that people take action of any sort 
other than just riding bikes, okay? And we don't really need to advocate that because even crack doesn't sell itself as easily. But this is an occasion when we're going to advocate action on our listeners' part. Folks, email your representatives, contact your senators and your your U.S. representatives. Um, Let them know that you'd like to. I'm assuming that you agree with this. You're a cyclist, and I think it's a safe assumption, but Lord knows I'm wrong four or five times a day. But I am going to assume that you agree that a tax incentive would be a good thing. Um, So email them and let them know that you'd like to see them find a way to offer that $900 tax credit, or better yet, the one that lobbyists were pushing for, um, in in part helped by the folks at REI, they were looking for a $1,500 credit for e-bikes. Am I hopeful this will turn around this year? No. But we need to make our voices heard. And because this is a podcast about cycling by cyclists for cyclists, um, you know, I hope you all will forgive me for assuming that you agree that this tax incentive is a good idea. Um, and for anyone out there still doubting uh, e-bikes as a way to get around. This, you know, this is perhaps too brief a sales pitch, but good Lord, they're a good time. Um, that your your awful experience with yours notwithstanding, John. Um, oh, sure. I still believe in e-bikes. I yeah. believe in all the bikes. I think the tax credit should be for all the bikes. More yeah. bikes. E-bikes, yeah. non-e-bikes. Uh, they do this in the UK. They have a standing tax credit for uh, uh, tax deduction for buying bikes and bike-related stuff uh, yeah. for this exact reason. Um, I am I am completely for it. Um what I what I think is uh with these big spending bills uh things get cut and thrown back in amendments get tacked on and picked off I don't think we have a good way of knowing what's realistic or what's possible but I do think you know uh, we should control the controllables uh which <laughs> is to say we should communicate uh, outwardly that we're in favor of these things um, so I think, you know, modeling the behavior and advocating the behavior, uh, as well as maybe contacting uh, some people to let them know that some of their constituents actually really are into this, mm-hmm. um, I think is a, a good move, a good move. And I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I had someone point out to me, oh, well, it's just as well that it didn't go through right now uh, because that would just gum up the supply chain even more. It would cause uh, demand to surge again. And just as bike companies are trying to get back on track uh, and, you know, deliver bikes to dealers, suddenly you'd have demand outstrip supply again. We'd be back in that mess all over again. And, you know, my attitude on that is so what? I mean, that's not availability is not a reason to to kill a tax credit. I I do think that there's a, a fair chance that they'll circle around to this in some other package on down the road. Um, and, you know, more and more, it looks like e-bikes are being delivered pretty quickly. Um, in my other life, I'm writing about e-bikes 
a whole heck of a lot. And uh, I'm seeing delivery times shorten and shorten and shorten. Uh, so I, yeah. Uh, I, on the supply chain issue, I think, you know, these are the problems we want to have. Everyone yeah. wants to ride a bike, so there aren't enough bikes. That is a problem that I would gladly accept over no one wants to ride a bike and no one can sell any bikes. I don't yeah. care at all. If every The more people who want to ride bikes, the more people who see it as a viable way to live their lives, that's better in my mind. And I don't, I don't you know, the, the supply chain will sort itself out. Uh, where there's money available, money figures out how to, f- how to find it. So I'm not... <laughs> I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. You know, there's an anonymous fellowship that talks about uh, trading up for a better set of problems. Uh, Yes. I think this counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem I would take all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of the things that I keep coming back to, um, and I'm going to keep hitting this note because for reasons that I don't understand, nobody else ever talks about it. But the brain notices things that are like it. Uh, and so, you know, back in the days of Volkswagens, people driving VW Beetles honked at other people driving VW Beetles. You noticed people who had the car like yours. Well, you know, the funny thing that happens with people riding e-bikes is when they get back in their SUV, they start noticing other people out on the road on bikes and they tend not to run them over. So one of my favorite aspects of all of this is, hey, fewer dead cyclists. Yeah. I, I mean, I wrote a piece about this on the site some time ago. If anyone wants to read it, it, it was called A Panacea. Um, and it was basically saying, you know, the, the, prob- the answer to all of our problems, environmental, health, mental health, uh, traffic, etc., cetera, uh, all of it is the bike. The bike is yeah. the answer. It's the simple thing you can do. And in that piece, I also advocated a tax uh, incentive. Uh, but I'm a lunatic and people don't listen to me that often, uh, which is fair enough. Um, the other thing I want to add here, uh, while we just while we have the tail end of some politics on the podcast, is <laughs> Joe Biden fell off his bike and hurt himself not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And people were up in their arm, up in arms about what that meant about the president. And what it meant to me was, oh, my God, Joe Biden rides a bike. That is awesome. I love (laughs) that the president of the United States rides a bike. That's what uh, And I'm not a Joe Biden fan or a Joe Biden hater. I'm pretty neutral on Joe Biden. But uh, whoever the president is, if the president rides a bike, I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, we can take that and extrapolate it out. Any politician who's riding a bike is somebody I'm willing to be more chummy with. Um, sure. Yeah. I don't I don't care what color the stripes are. I really don't. If you're riding a bike. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about bikes. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I think this would be a good point to move on to the Paceline picks. What do you have this sure. week? So my pick this week isn't uh, my uh, I'm sorry. My pick this week isn't. Uh, a thing necessarily. Uh, it's a little company based in Bellingham, Washington called Cosmic Dirt. Okay. Their tagline is single track for all. I'm down. Uh, 
They've got a, a an everybody on bikes mission, uh, which results in all their gear being available in the widest ranges of sizes, uh, including double XL and triple XL. Uh, the core idea is that there are a lot of people who would like to have good bike clothing, but they can't find any. Uh, I'm picking them because I think this is a great project, uh, but also because their designs are good. I got myself a long sleeve tech tee, which I'll use for fall mountain biking. Uh, one of the owners of Cosmic Dirt is a friend of a friend of mine, and it is possible we'll have some content from them down the road, which I'm pretty excited about too, because this person, if we can pull it off, is hilarious and low-key inspiring and basically just rad so folks could look forward to that their short sleeve tech tees come in relaxed and fitted cuts depending on what your preference is they are 38 dollars, so very reasonable for a tech garment and as i said they look good uh for two bucks more you can get the long sleeve version um there are also hats socks water bottles i'd say get yourself some stuff support a cool small company and spread the word in the best way possible awesome. Cosmic cool there it is yeah all righty uh what have you well, got my pick is even less on point because uh, <laughs> it, it's not very cycling related but i do expect our dedicated listeners won't mind um, for all those of you who've been listening to the pace line for the last few years and recall that our former co-host Celine was working on a book with her FBI explosives expert brother Kirk. Well, I am pleased to say that book has dropped. Uh, I don't tend to drop books, but I wanted to use the, <laughs> the, the hip lingo. Um, sure. yeah. Um, the book is published by scribed. That's S C R I B D no E in there, um, and is available in several different formats, including uh, digital uh, for the iPad type reader and audio for listeners. To read or listen to it, folks need to sign up for a subscription with Scribed. Um, but yeah, um, I don't, I think this may mean that you probably won't see it uh, sitting on shelves in bookstores. Um, so I, I hope that doesn't hurt its reach in any way. So, yeah, this is not a review in any classic sense because I haven't had a chance to read or listen to the book yet. Um, but, you know, given that we like to be transparent and admit when there's a bias, uh, if I've ever had a bias, by gum, this would be it. I cannot wait to dig into this thing. Um, <laughs> as I wrote this, I, I wrote probably this evening, um, that turned out not to be true, but I am about to go away on a short vacation and I do plan to dig into it then. You know, I love Celine. I love her work. Uh, I miss our regular interactions. Uh, we do still message and text each other here and there. Um, and she's just an absolute delight. And I've been hearing about her brother since long before <clears throat> this, this book ever became a thing. Um, been hearing about just what a fascinating and smart guy he is. Uh, I think, I think brilliant might turn out to be something of an insult to his intellect. Um, also I'm, I'm a guy, um, of a certain fairly traditional cut, which is to say, I love fireworks and things that go boom. Um, <laughs> so long as there are no animals around being frightened by that, uh, 
A chance to get a download on explosives from a genius who does nothing but explosives. Sorry, I'm I'm drooling. Uh, I I forget what a subscription to Scribed costs, but it was not expensive. Uh, It was affordable enough that I just didn't even give it one full thought. Uh, So, yeah, folks who love Celine um, will will get a chance to see her uh, humanize uh, a total brainiac uh, in a way that she's just ever so delightful at. Um, And I mean, truly, if ever anyone could put an entirely human face on a nerd extraordinaire, I think Celine's probably the woman uh, or, or the person, rather not being sexist here. Uh, So I, I already trust that this will be a fantastic read. There will be a link to both these things in our show notes. It's worth, I mean, can we just, can we plug her podcast while we're here? Oh yeah, we absolutely should. Yes. Uh, Hit play, not pause. Um, Yeah. She pivoted the moment we had to part ways because of the launch of the cycling independent. And um, she's got just an incredible, Incredible podcast for uh, women who are pre-menopausal, menopausal, post-menopausal, perimenopausal. Um, and the the remarkable thing was when she first started lo- working on the book that led to the podcast, uh, she said that uh, the research that she and Stacey Sims were doing showed that there was just nobody dealing with this topic. What? One of the single most pivotal experiences in women's lives, and nobody was giving it much attention. Um, I guess that's kind of typical we do have, of America. Yeah, we have we do have a copy of that book here at my house. Uh, I am I have I've read some of it. Um, I have discussed it with uh, many of my female friends who are athletes at every age, and uh, I think there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have recommended it to a great number of friends. And it's neat to be able to say, yeah, well, uh, there's this person I worked with and she's now doing this. And yeah, you're not a cyclist, but you'd still benefit from what she's doing. That's right. So, yeah, uh, I am I am delighted by the success that they are having with that because it speaks to all the help that they are imparting to a great many people who are going through what sounds like um, a much more difficult time than puberty was for me. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. Uh, yeah. That's a wrap on another episode of The Baseline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we should put in a plug for your other podcast, uh, Revolting, um, which still is not very much about cycling, but uh, a, a delightful listen. Um, I I really... I thoroughly enjoy how real you and Steve are with, with each other. Um, and it's a, uh, it's delightful to hear a, a kind of no, no topic off limits podcast. Oh, thanks. There's not enough of that in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in our nature. Uh, it's in our nature to say difficult things. I think anyway, difficult and immature things just to be just for full disclosure, but go on. I said keeping it real. That's right. <laughs> All righty, everybody. Hey, send us some more questions. Uh, those are fun to answer. Uh, if you've got an idea or a question or, you know, even comments, uh, please drop this by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. 
We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.